Let me, but before, before I call up Mary Jean, who I'm very excited to just be able to sit there and just be strengthened and encouraged, um, you know, I, I got to tell you, uh, Dave Powers, who we have in here, you know, four to six times a year, um, sometimes he leads worship, sometimes he's on a panel as, as we sit and talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes um, he does worship in the Word where he just will read Scripture and worship and he, the guitar never leaves his side. Um, but he, he is a, he, he has this church's heart and we have the same heart and that heart is for the Lord. Um, and Dave is a good son. The way that Dave raves about his mom um, and what's awesome is, you know, he's, he's also a very good friend. Uh, he understands the, the times that, that, like, either myself or Andy are in need of encouragement. And he's, he's very just responsive to the Holy Spirit's leading. And it's often a text going, hey, I'm praying for you right now. Would you shoot me a quick text and let me know how you're doing right now? And, and it's just always incredibly timely. And there's times I'm like, Man, I am, I am just thrilled. It's been, God is this and this, and I'm so glad you texted. I want to share it with you. But most of the time, it's, man, I could really use some prayer. And uh, normally it's followed by a phone call and, and that prayer. Um, but uh, Dave, the good friend, will set aside. Dave, the good son, um, just, I love the fact that he has raved to me about his, his mom and sent me links to different preaches that she has done um, because... Uh, Mary Jean uh, is definitely a gift, and she comes today to Impact Rocks as a gift, not as a guest speaker. We don't believe in guest speakers. We believe in gifts that that are given uh, to the church by Jesus to strengthen us and to grow us. And we are so excited to have you with us. Um, So everybody, uh, I I know that there's people gone, and we're not as full as we often are, but let's just be a little louder. Let's welcome Mary Jean to come up and point us to Jesus. How are you? Yeah? Are you really? Convince me. <laughs> Do something. I can't, I can't see you because of the light, so you have to smile extra bright or something. I need to see some teeth up here, all right? Uh, it's good to be here. I've, I've heard David talk. I, I get to call him David because I named him. You can call him Dave if you want, but to me, he's David, okay? <laughs> I, I had that boy, so I can call him whatever I want, right? Um. David is, I'm going to move this because I'm a wanderer. David is uh, one of my best friends. He, it, is, it is an incredible honor to be in his family, put it like that. And nobody's uh, stretched me and pushed me and challenged me as much as Dave Powers. And nobody's blessed me and honored me and taught me and extended grace to me like Dave Powers. So that's my boy. You know, I know he's a man and all of that, but he's my boy. So thank you for welcoming welcoming him into your family here and for uh, extending that same grace to me this morning. So yeah, I'm a Bible teacher and uh, David's more of a, David's more of a speaker, I guess. Uh, I'm a teacher. One time I remember he was, um, he was about four, I think. And we were riding along in the car. He had his feet propped up. It was pre pre those days when you had to have a car seat until the kid was 14, you know, and in the back and facing backwards and all of that. So he was he was in the front seat, 
all strapped in, and, and out of the blue he said, you know, Mom, I think, I think when I'm old I'm not going to go to church. And I said, really, tell me about that. I mean, everything in me wanted to say, whoa, wait a minute, son. And uh, I said, tell me about that. He said, well, I think by then I will have had enough. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, and, you know, his big eyes. He rolled his eyes, and he goes, okay, Mom, teach me something. Like four years old, bless his heart. But I come to you this morning as a Bible teacher, and uh, I think I think you'll recognize that uh, one of the one of the cool things I get to do is teach all over the world. And about 20 years ago, I quit all my jobs and started traveling. Something I had known I would be doing since the time I was 12. And uh, the Lord finally released me. And oh my goodness, I've grown up a lot the last 20 years of being exposed to so many different countries and cultures and and the same Jesus all over the world that we have fallen in love with. So this morning what we're going to talk about in the kingdom of God is honor Memorial Day weekend. I, I, it's a bit fitting, but also uh, I have observed, and it's all over the world that I've observed, that we are losing a sense of honor. Anybody recognize that besides me? Uh, there are so many things that we can no longer assume are just understood with all of our cultural changes, and one of them is honor. We can't, uh, we can't assume any longer that, that people know how to honor, that, um, that when people, young people get married, they know how to honor one another, that parents understand how to honor their children, not just children honoring parents. But, and, then, and then we come into this unique thing called the family of God, and we go, what the heck? How do, how do we interact with each other honorably how do we interact, interact in the kingdom, but also how do we interact with all of these resources that God has given us, and how do we, how do we honor Jesus? If you take singing out of the picture, how do you honor Jesus? How does, how does the Trinity honor one another? We have all of these biblical models, and we're going to look at some of them this morning. But just to, just to set some precedence, just to lay some groundwork here, uh, let me give you a couple of working definitions for the term honor. Uh, there are a number of times that the word, or ways that the word honor is used biblically. And when you condense and summarize all of those ways, basically you come up with two working definitions, and those are the ones we'll be referring to this morning. So the first definition for biblical honor is this. It's an outward expression of an inward respect. The respect is already there, but if it's not expressed, it's not honor. So you can respect someone without honoring them, but you can't honor someone without respecting them. Does that make sense? Yeah, so honor, by its very definition, has to be expressed. I already have a sense of respect for you, and I will show you by... Does that make sense? Yeah? So I started to... Uh, I, with COVID, I wasn't able to travel, of course, nearly as much, and certainly not internationally. And so I took a job. I, I went back to the, a school that I helped start 100 years ago, and, uh, and I've been teaching Bible 9, 10, and 11 at Longmont Christian School. So um, the, the classroom they gave me was an absolute dump. Can I just say that? I, it, it was horrible. 
it was disorganized and there were just a ton of things in there that needed to be moved out and other things moved in. Anyway, I, the kids, I think, my students will probably be in therapy when they're 30 still because of the shock of, to their system that it was going from their former teacher to me. And uh, the first day they came in there, and they're all that, right? 14, 15, 16 year old. They, they just went there. Well, they think they're all that anyway. And, and uh, you know, prop their feet up on the desk. And I said, that's fine if you do that in my classroom as long as you take off your shoes and your feet don't stink. Because, first of all, if your feet stink, it's not acceptable at all. You're just not even socially welcome here. But, but uh, I don't mind you putting your feet on the desk as long as your shoes are off because you're going to honor the furniture in my classroom. And, oh, my goodness, their eyebrows just about hit their hairline. You know, it's what? And so they started kicking off their shoes. And when they did, I'd put a squirt bottle of cleaner on their desk. You can clean off the desk after your stinky shoes have been in there. Yes, and I'm serious. You've got to do that. And, you know, it took about two weeks. That was all. About two weeks. And they started kicking off their shoes when they came in. It's fine with me. It's fine with me. As long as you are honorable. That's all. Going to honor the classroom. This is where I have to spend most of my time. So you're going to honor. This is my space now, sweetheart. It's not your, right? It, we have to teach those things. They can't expect it. A couple months later, I hear one of the kids say, um, I, I was a kid who I didn't have in the classroom. The kid says, take off your shoes if you're going to put your feet on the couch. Or I went, yeah, now we're talking. Now you're, and they, they said, why? And I said, because it's Mrs. Fowler's classroom. That's why. Yes. <laughs> yes. To honor. So uh, in all of my travels, I've observed all different kinds of, of honor and expressions of honor. But it's always an outward expression. It has to be an outward expression of an inward respect. Here's the second working definition, biblically, for honor. I love this. It's when we create a platform on which another can shine. Isn't that great? When I create a platform on which you can shine, I'm honoring you. And it takes a lot of work when you think about it that way. We're going to go through a lot of different forms of honor today, but uh, it's, it takes a lot of thought and even preparation of how to create a platform, how to make you look good, right? Not in a, not in a pretense kind of way, not a, not a facade kind of way, but just how do I, how do I um, dignify you? I've learned that working with the homeless. How do you dignify them? It takes a lot of work. It's a real shift, a mental shift that you have to make before you can begin to really start acting on it. So, our review, because here's the teacher thing kicking in. Uh, review, two, two basic things about honor we're going to talk about this morning. An outward expression of an inward respect, right? Say that with me. An outward expression of an inward respect. And secondly, to create a platform on which another can shine. Ready? To create a platform on which another can shine. So that's where we're starting. So uh, another way to, another word that comes into play with honor is value. If I value something, truly value it, I will honor it. Wouldn't you agree? Right? 
somebody, uh, uh, I had a guy working at my house the other day, and when he came in with the bill, he had the bill on a clipboard, and I was supposed to sign it. You know, he, that man, that man had the nerve to put that clipboard on my grand piano. I move fast when somebody heads toward my piano, you know, because I saved money for a long, 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 long time. I taught music for 35 years. I'm a professional musician. And don't put your clipboard on my piano, you know. (laughs) So he, I think it was on the piano about a quarter of a second before I whipped it off of there and handed it back to him. I said, let's not put it there. And he was kind of shocked, but oh my goodness, did he apologize profusely. But I value that piano, so I have outward expressions that I, right, that I do, I expect. I, you're the same way with the stuff that you value. So I was headed toward uh, Sierra Leone, West Africa. And are anybody familiar with Mercy Ships? Do you know what Mercy Ships is? Yeah, hospital boats, first world hospital boats that take uh, first world medical care to the poorest nations in the world. So I got to live in a ship for a while, a few months, and uh, we went to West Africa, to Sierra Leone. And we had eight days of uh, training going there, about six hours a day, of, be- of briefing of how to, bre- how to act, how to not act, what to say, what not to say, what to wear, what not to wear, when we got to West Africa. And basically, it was Honor 101. Here's what's honor in their country. No matter what it is in yours, here's what it is in theirs. Because if you go in dishonorably, they're not going to have ears to hear. They're not going to feel loved. They're not going to feel cared for. So you go in, and it's the love language idea, right? You go in and you honor somebody based on what they, they think honor is, what they believe it is. We did the same thing. So... One thing they said is, when you go to church in Sierra Leone, never, ever, 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 ever under any circumstances put your Bible on the floor. It's the most dishonorable thing you can do toward the Lord. If they own a Bible, if they happen to be that wealthy, then they have, uh, they've saved their money for a long time and they'll only ever have one in their entire lives. Whereas the average American Christian home has an average of nine hard copies. Um, Only two to five percent of us read them daily, but just throwing out a stat there. But uh, it's true, according to Barna anyway. But these guys, you never do. You know, we kind of flippantly toss ours around a little bit. And we'll go pick up another one if, if something happens to it, but not theirs. So never, ever, ever, under any circumstances. You know, I I went to a church. I was preaching at a church in Sierra Leone one Sunday morning. And I asked the history of the church because the walls were only about half up. This was after six years, 12 years of civil war. The walls were only about halfway up, and cinder block walls. And I said, tell me about this. And and said, well, their church had been bombed out during the the civil war. And so collectively, The people would save their money until they could buy one cinder block. And then they would buy a cinder block and bring it on Sunday morning and put some uh, wet some mortar and put it in, install it, and have a celebration. Every block, one at a time. One at a, it took years. It took, and overnight, we have a storage block. 
And so what do they value? They're literally trading their blood, sweat, and tears to save enough money, which means they have to eat less, to buy a cinder block after four or five weeks to come and then have a celebration at church when they can lay one more block. There's some perspective for honor, huh? It's what you value, what you invest in. Um, anybody in here raised on a military base besides me? Anybody? So my dad was Air Force. He was a lifer in the Air Force, and I, I loved growing up that way. But every afternoon at 4 o'clock, the base, and we had about 10,000 people at our base, came to a dead stop because in the center of the base, there was base operations, big cement building, and there was a flag in front, and at 4 o'clock the flag came down and there was a national anthem played, and you could hear it every space on the base. You could hear the national anthem. And military bases still do this all over the world, U.S. military bases. Uh, if you're in uniform and you're driving along 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you hear the Star Spangled Banner come in, you stop your car, you get out of your car, you close the door, you face base operations, and you salute until the national anthem is over, and then you get back in your car. Honor, an outward expression of an inward respect. They created a platform on which our nation could shine every afternoon at 4 o'clock. It makes sense now, doesn't it? It's, a, it's an expression of honor. I've worked a lot with the Navajo people and uh, down in the Four Corners region, and for them, uh, honor is making no eye on eye contact. Do you know how difficult that is to have a conversation with somebody and never look them in the eye? Because we've been trained that it's polite to do that. They've been trained that it's a, um, it basically means if you make eye contact with somebody, I want to fight you. And, and I don't want to fight them. <laughs> so through our training sessions, we look at, we practice having conversations looking at somebody's elbow. The tricky thing is, is that when you ask directions of a Navajo person, it's so interesting because they point with their lips. And so you have to glance up really fast to see the direction their lips are pointing. And if you say, you know, where is the store? And it's over that way, they go. And they do it really, really fast, but they point with their lips. So you do have to kind of glance at their face and you hope you get it, the timing right. Otherwise, they'll think you're looking at them in the eye. I mean, it's confusing. It's really confusing. But you have to practice those things if you want to be honorable in their culture. So we come into the kingdom of God, and there's a different honor code than the world has. There's a different honor code than American culture has in the kingdom of God. Completely different honor code. And we can't assume that people are going to automatically know that. So we take our cues from our father. We take our cues from the head of the family, right? Take our cues from the word and the spirit. So, you know, it used to be that men would, uh, women would walk into the room and men would stand up. Ooh, ladies, what do you think of that? Hey, that would be kind of, be kind of cool, actually. I mean, even once, if it happened, it'd be kind of cool. Or men, when they would come into a room, would take their hats off. But kids, that's not anywhere near your grid. I was at Nywat High School's uh, uh, graduation. My grandson graduated yesterday. And national anthem was being sung. And half the men there didn't take their hats off. I thought, wow, interesting. Really interesting. What's going on with culture here? 
I was teaching in Japan one time, and I couldn't figure out why participation wasn't the way I wanted it to be, and they, they just weren't responding. I thought, well, is it me? What's going on? And then I, they told me at the break that Japanese culture is if one student answers a question, they don't have uh, they don't have permission, or it's just not the right thing to do to answer a question the second time until everyone has also answered a question. So even if you know the answer and you want to participate or you have a question, you have to wait until everyone else has spoken and responded to other questions. Why? Because it's honored. So you got so many things to learn traveling culture to culture. In religion, the way we honor is we take on the value of the God. And because the God is the God, the God is the one who gets to determine what's to be honored and valued and what isn't. That makes sense, right? So the God is uh, in the kingdom of God. Our God is the one who says, this is how to treat one another honorably. This is how to, to be generous. And generosity is part of the honor code in the kingdom of God that you mentioned earlier, Mark. Uh, worship, it's part of the honor code in the kingdom of God. We acknowledge our God and we have outward expressions of that because inwardly we adore him. We honor him as king. We, uh, we respect him as king, and so we honor him by, and then we have all these different honor expressions we do. So, really cool example in the kingdom of God, how the Trinity, God always gives us examples of how he himself um, lives up to his own code, you might say. And that's one of the beautiful things about having the word of God and, and the spirit of God within us. So, how does the Trinity honor one another? This is really cool. And how does that work with us? Beautiful exp um, expressions of honor here. The father says, I want to honor my children by sending my son. So, son, I'm going to honor you. Jesus, I'm going to honor you by letting you represent me. So you want to know what father's like? Watch Jesus. You want to know how, Jesus, how father talks? Listen to Jesus. You want to know how fathers and sons are created to interact? Watch Jesus and his father interact and how they have conversation. So father honored Jesus by saying, go represent me. Jesus honored us by coming. He also honored his father by coming. We honor Jesus by acknowledging father and coming home to father's heart. You see how it all, it all works together. Um, uh, in 1 Samuel, it says, God honors those who honor him. So as we are honorable people and we're honoring and valuing what he does and what God values more than anything is his son. So when we honor his son, God goes, stole my heart. Yeah, just like you have done for me this morning, because every person that I was introduced to said, oh, that boy again. Ah, oh, Dave. Yeah, we really like Dave. And I'm, I mean, I'm getting to be a fathead up here going, yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, you're honoring me by loving my son. So magnify that times about a million, and you've got Father God and Jesus, right? So when we honor Jesus... Father's heart is just melting. So Jesus honors us, 
or um, let's see. Jesus said to his disciples, John chapter 14, he goes, you guys, I'm preparing you for, yeah, they're going to kill me. They're, they're total paraphrase here. They're going to, they're, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. But it will be better for you if I go away, because if I'm going, I will send one who won't just be with you like I've been with you, but he's going to be in you and he's not going anywhere. The kingdom of God, it will come within you, not just among you. So God the Father, God the Son, honored us by sending Holy Spirit. Afterwards, how do we then honor that gift? How do we honor not just the Spirit, but the Father and the Son for sending the gift of the Spirit? How do we do that? By saying yes to Jesus, right? By allowing Holy Spirit to do that transformational work in our hearts. By engaging with the Holy Spirit daily and yielding and being filled with the Holy Spirit daily. That's how we honor the gift of the Spirit. It's how we also honor the Father and the Son. So it's just, it's just this continual cycle of honor. Father honoring Jesus, Father and Jesus honoring the Spirit, Father Jesus Spirit honoring the church by saying, show them what I'm really like. Show the world what I'm really like. How will the world know you're my disciple? Love one another. So when we love one another, we're honoring the Father, the Son, and the Spirit and making a space for the kingdom of honor to come. Because so few places people go, they feel seen and honored. So few places, if any, and we get to be that representation of heaven, of the kingdom, as we honor one another, love one another. Starting to make sense? Is it connecting the dots a little bit? You guys okay? You're still out there? Okay. I know Mark's here because the light is reflecting off of his head. I really just say that out loud? I did, and I? Yeah. But I knew he could take it, right? Sounds like that joke's happened before, has it? Yeah, yeah may, maybe so. Okay. So what does God honor? What does God value? I want to read a very short list, a very, not, not by any stretch is it uh, all-inclusive, but I want you to listen to these ways that God honors us. Can you even begin to wrap your head around that one? The almighty, sovereign king of the universe sees you and says, I have so much respect for you because of your existence, because I made you in my image. You're right in my face. I didn't do anything. Listen to this short list. God honors us by giving us the, son of, the name of his son to use with authority. God honors us by giving us dominion over all the works of his hands. But we don't honor back unless we take use that name and authority. And we have to respond in order to honor him back. You see, God honors us by giving us the powerful blood of Jesus. And without the blood, there is no provision for anything. God honors us by making a covenant with him. Strong word, covenant. But covenant is a two-way street. 
covenant, in covenant, we say to another person, I promise you that I will do anything at any cost to me to see you become who God has created you to be. And that's what God did for us. I promise you, I'm making covenant with you here, that I will do anything, and he has, at any cost to me, and he paid dearly with the blood of his son. To see you, church, become who I've created you to be. Will you reciprocate that and be in covenant with God? God honors us by offering us covenant, but it's only covenant if it's reciprocated. God honors us with a son with everlasting life on our acceptance of him. God honors us by making us part of his family. God honors us with his presence. God honors us by giving us himself. My brain just stops. I I can't process that adequately. God honors us with his love. God honors us with his word, by giving us his word. God honors us by giving us spiritual armor collectively, right, to fight against the enemy. These are just a few of the ways that God honors us. And then God says, okay, now let's set up an honor code here, an honor code for us to live by collectively to reflect and represent him. And the most basic of all honor codes in the Bible, you guessed it, it's the Ten Commandments. It's, it's, our, it's our family mantra. It's what we do. It's what defines us. It's how we act honorably. The, the outward expression of the inward respect we have for God and for one another is all summarized in love God, love people, which is basically the Ten Commandments, right? So, going to need some feedback on this. And you're going to, uh, I, I don't know if I should apologize or not, but you're going to have to think a little bit, all right? I know it's a three-day weekend, and you're here, and the com- chairs are all cushy and all of that stuff, but, but engage your brains a little bit and give me some feedback. So, I'm going to, re- I don't even want you to look at it right now, but I'm going to read uh, each one, a, kind of a paraphrase, of each of the Ten Commandments. First two together. And you tell me what it shows that God honors. What does God honor and value based on the commands? Okay? All right. Don't worry. You're not going to get a grade at the end of all this. No pressure. I just need to hear from you. Here's the first two commandments. I am the Lord your God. Have no other gods before me. What does that show that God values and honors? This is so far off our grade. Say what? Loyalty, okay. Relationship, okay. Now, is the is this command? These two commands are they about him or are they about us? I am the Lord your God. Have no other gods before me. Focus is on him. So, what does he value and honor about himself? not referring to his name there. His godness, okay. He values his uniqueness. He values his own supremacy. 
have no other God before. I am the supreme, the one, the only. There's no other God before me. There's no other God besides me. There's no other God beside me. I'm the one and the only. The one true living God, the way Jewish culture expresses it. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the one true living God, right? Supreme authority and unique from every other lowercase g God. And God values that, and then he turns to us and he says, will you? If so, how are you going to express it? Because it's not honor unless it's expressed. So the cycle of honor continues back and forth and back and forth. Here's the third commandment. Don't, here you go. We can talk about this. You've already got the answer, so just blurt it out really fast. Don't use God's name in an unworthy, listen to this. Don't use God's name in an unworthy, unholy, or unacceptable way. Wow, talk about nailing culture. Okay, so he values his name above every other name. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is one name that is over every other name. Um, 96 different names for Jesus in the, in the Bible. Uh, 35 different names for God. 30 different names for Holy Spirit. And each one of them is an invitation to, to say, come get to know me this way. Come get to worship me this way. Come interact with me this way and learn to honor me based on all of these different expressions of who I am, my essence, my core, my being is expressed in my name. So learn to honor my name. But if you just love the name but don't express the love, for the name, then it's not honor. Thank you. Fourth command. Here we go. You can jump right in on this one too, Mark. Remember to rest. <laughs> Touche. Remember, remember to rest. The Sabbath command, right? All he goes, do do do. Don't 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 don't. Honor. Remember. Interesting. Why does God tell us to remember stuff? Because you forget so easily. And so this one, he doesn't say rest. He says, remember, don't forget to rest. And all the people said, mm. I heard a collective, mm, and all the way through. <laughs> don't forget to rest because we are finite beings that have built-in limits. And we don't function very well when we're not just with you. Thank you. Among other things. So, what does it say God values then? If he says, remember to rest, what's... He values rest. And the root of rest is restoration. Because in rest, we get restored. He values restoration. Here's the next command. Honor your parents. There it is, flat out. Nobody's exempt. <laughs> you, can't, you can't raise your hand and say, well, that doesn't really apply to me, since we all have them. What do you think? What does it show that God honors and values? Authority, absolutely. What else? 
parents in the context of family. God honors and values family. God honors and values authority. How about this one? Don't murder. God values life. Don't commit adultery. God values marriage. And what else? Don't commit adultery implies you'll be faithful. God values faithfulness. And God also values sexual purity and, and sexual health, uh, physical health that comes from being exclusive. Right? Okay. Um, don't steal. What does God value? This is a little tricky. What does God value? I'm sorry? Ownership. Thank you. Of all the times I've asked that question, nobody said that before. Well done, sir. God values ownership. Ah. God values honesty. Don't steal. Come on. Ownership. Okay. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. That's why you don't put your clipboard in my pants. <laughs> yeah? God values ownership. Don't lie. God values. Everybody said. Just I'm, I'm trying to help you out here so that everybody knows I answer the question. God values <laughs> honesty and truth. Okay. How about the last one? Don't covet. God honors, God values what? Contentment. Yeah. And with contentment comes peace. I'm not going to be very peaceful if I'm coveting everything you have and I want it for myself, right? God values peace, the peace that comes with contentment. Yeah. And so now, because this is in the context of, let's just call it religion, the God determines what the values of the kingdom are. The God determines what the, uh, uh, the honor code is and says, here's what I honor, here's what, you value, what I value. If you will value it and honor and adopt those same things and then live it out, then we'll be in good relationship here and you, you will have the honor of reflecting me. You'll have the honor of representing me. And is there a greater honor than representing the king of the over everything? There's not. So our job, our, re, our, our correct response of worship back is to say, I'll adopt your honor code and learn to apply it to my life. So I reflect the kingdom in my home, in my finances, in my sex life, my phone life, my weekend life, my work life, my work ethic, my when I'm at church everywhere, in the context of family, I will live by this code. I will live honorably for you, sir. Is that okay? And then he gives us us and says, good luck with that. It's tricky. It's really, really tricky. We aren't going to look whoever's doing the scriptures back there. Let's uh, skip the ones in John and look. Oh, there's so much we could say here. Let's look at a real quick story in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We've been talking about all kinds of scriptures. We just haven't looked at one yet. 
But I want you to look at Matthew 13, starting with 53 to 58. I don't know that I've ever felt so secure behind a podium before. This thing isn't going anywhere, is it? Nowhere. This is pretty cool. If I fell or something, it would just catch me, right? And I'd get impaled, but still, I, 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 I wouldn't fall. Okay, Matthew chapter 13, uh, 53 to 58. Really fast story. Now, it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, we're talking about northern Israel, specifically the town of Nazareth, came to his own country. He taught them in their synagogue, which, by the way, is the synagogue that Jesus grew up in. And so that they, they were astonished and said, where did this man get his wisdom in these mighty works? Because they watched Jesus grow up. They know he didn't go to seminary. He's not ordained. He didn't go through, he didn't jump through all the religious pharisaical hoops to get all of his learning. And they're listening to this guy talk and go, wait a second, we, you, huh? Who, <sighs> wait a second, aren't you Mary and Joseph's kid? We remember you. Yeah, that's the rest of the story. Where did this man get his wisdom and get his wisdom in these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary? And his sisters, are they not all with us? And his brothers? Where did this man get these things? And so they were offended at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And so he was not able to do mighty works there because of their unbelief. They didn't recognize him as Messiah. He came unto his own and his own didn't receive him, John said. They didn't recognize him as Messiah, but can you imagine what their lives would have been like had they? If they would have said, I know I went to first grade with you, but the Spirit of God on you. Who are, I mean, I think you're Mary and Joseph's son, but the long-awaited Messiah for the last how many hundred years? Are you, you could, you couldn't. Are, are you him? What would have happened if they would have, what would have happened in Nazareth? What would he have been able to do at home? In his family, historically we know, not biblically specifically, but historically we know his brothers and sisters, they didn't believe until after the crucifixion and resurrection. What could their lives have been like? That's my bro. <laughs> That's my big brother, Judas. I mean, what, what kind of transformation could they have seen in Nazareth? And Jesus said, at home, yeah, that's where you learn to honor. That's the setup. Home church, home family, it's the hardest place to learn it. And it's the hardest place to maintain it. And so it's the biggest gift God could ever give us is a home church and a hometown and a, and a family because we get to learn to live out his own code. If we only practiced honoring outside the home, home church, home family, hometown, all of that, you know what would happen to us? We'd get addicted to honor. 
and then we'd be fatheads and not humble at all, and you can't live an honorable life and be proud. Honor makes you learn humility. And that's why God gives us the gift of each other. Right there. The gift of each other and the gift of a home church and the gift of a family so we can learn to live by His power and take care of His stuff and contribute. Because I can't become me without you. I need you. I need you in order for me to be me. You need me. And we have these gifts and these graces that the, the Jesus in you chisels off the parts that don't look quite like Jesus yet. Yeah? And so how dare I, how dare I not receive the kingdom in its most beautiful expression through you and not contribute in that way and still say, yeah, those are my people. That's where I belong. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, because only in my submission to the gifts and the graces of God in you and the kingdom of God in you, only that whether I, can I say it, whether I like you or not, the kingdom of God is within you. And so where we learn to honor is in the safest of places where God says, those are my kids. That's my boy. That's my boy. That's my girl. And she's got a part of me that nobody else has. And a way to express it. So will we honor him and one another by receiving and by contributing and not withholding the kingdom because we're not comfortable with each other or because we're not comfortable in the space or because we're not comfortable with change or because whatever. Kingdom honor. We're made for it. We're made for it. And now we have this beautiful invitation of, well, then let's learn how. Because if it's not expressed, it's not honored. And this whole culture called the kingdom of God don't have it. Just never learn to live it. Learn to know it. Okay? Well, I'm on page two and I've got five, so I think I'll quit. It's <laughs> the way it always is. Dang it. But anyway, let me pray for you, and then we'll let uh, Mark close this thing out however, however you guys are used to. Father, time with you goes by so quickly. So thank you that, um, that it doesn't have to be over, ever. Time with you never has to be over. The alarm doesn't go off, and then we move on to something else. Because the kingdom of God is within us by the person of the Holy Spirit. The life of God within us by the blood of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I never have to say goodbye to you. Never have to say see you next Sunday. So, God, we want to learn to be people who honor your presence by being God-conscious always. Not just aware of you within us and you among us, but aware of you in others. So we can learn to honor 
the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God in one another and humbly, graciously receive the gifts and the graces that you have given us in one another in this place, in this building, with this stuff, with the preschool and the families that will be coming because of the preschool, with this facility on this corner in this uh, uh, shopping strip in this in this town. God, we want to learn to honor. Honor you. Honor each other. Honor our homes. Honor our families. Because Lord Almighty, you're worth it. You're worthy. You're worth it. So, Lord, would you help us by your spirit uh, this week, even this afternoon, to um, to be really aware of when we resist being honorable so that we can be quick to repent and to submit to learn. Help us to be really aware of those, those clues and cues that are happening on the inside of us. When I just flat out don't want to be honorable. I don't want to honor someone else. I don't want to create a platform on which they can shine. And yet, God, you have given your whole being to creating a platform on which we can shine. And you're the light. So we've got to get this straight somehow. We're going to need a lot of help. We're going to have to learn to be contributors like we never have before instead of consumers. So thank you, Father. Thank you for respecting us so much that you sent Jesus. And thank you, for, for Jesus, for, for honoring your Father and, and honoring us so much that you came and you didn't have to. And thank you, Father, Jesus, for sending Holy Spirit. So with Paul this morning, we say, may we live lives worthy of the calling we have received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.